You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast with Pastor Brent Gerard. In Focus Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Evans, Georgia, with a mission to love God, love people, and reach the world. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you are listening, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at InFocus Church. We hope this message encourages you and leaves you feeling challenged to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So it's Christmas Eve, and it's a time of anticipation and excitement. I remember when I was much younger than I am now, it was like the most exciting time of the year, Christmas Eve waiting for Christmas Day to come. Eager anticipation would aptly describe how I felt as a young boy. I didn't want to go to sleep. And at the same time, I knew that if I would go to sleep, then the Christmas morning would come a whole lot quicker. And we could get on with presents and gifts. Waiting was so annoying. But at the same time, it didn't quell my eager anticipation for the day that was coming. Even though it was painfully slow, I still had excitement about the gifts that were coming in the morning. I thought I would receive whatever it was that I was asking for on Christmas morning. Of course, we all get older. Hate to break that to you this morning. Don't want to be a downer on Christmas, but we all get older, no matter what facial system you get this Christmas. We get older and the excited expectation is replaced with realism, maybe a dash of cynicism, teaspoon of pessimism, (laughs) because the reality is we all understand, although we enjoy the moment, that there's no mystery in all about where all the presents came from, because we know all those presents under the tree we're on the hook for. We've got to pay for all that stuff. But what if it's supposed to be the exact opposite? What I mean is if what happens that as the older we get, the better we get at waiting. As life goes on faster than any of us could ever imagine that it does, what if waiting with active anticipation, eager anticipation is a sign of spiritual maturity and not just naive believability? Maybe wonder and awe shouldn't dissipate with age. Maybe it should increase with age. It's Christmas Eve. And today's our final message in the series that we've been doing all month, Worship in the Waiting, talking about the Christmas narrative and all the people that were playing a role in what Christ was coming to do in the earth through the incarnation and how worship surrounded every moment for all of the people that were waiting for the Messiah to come. Worship surrounded their lives. It surrounded every moment where Jesus was being announced. It surrounded the incarnation, and worship has surrounded him ever since and will continue to do so throughout eternity. So today, we look at Simeon and Anna, kind of the last people in the Christmas story, if you will. And they are the quintessential worshipers in the waiting. They're us. 
I mean, literally, as I think about their story, they're doing exactly what we're still doing today as those who proclaim Jesus as Savior and Lord. We're worshiping God, the Savior of the world, the Savior of our lives, while we wait on his arrival. And that's exactly what Simeon and Anna were doing, awaiting Jesus. And if you're older in here today, meaning you've been around for more than a few decades, these are your people. Not only are we a multi-ethnic church, but we are a multi-generational church. Not only is the worldwide church of God supposed to be a multi-ethnic church, but it's supposed to be a multi-generational church. And I hope that we can all be encouraged that the older we get, the better we should get at believing the impossible and believing the improbable while actively hoping and, and waiting for the miraculous power of God to show up. We should get better at waiting the older we get. If you're over 80, can I get an amen? Wow. <laughs> now listen, y'all aren't listening. I already know that. I just, there is no way that there's that many people over the age of 80 that just said amen. Somebody just got, you're 25, what are you saying? But that's great. I know there are a few, but man, I didn't know there were that many. Here's what I know and what the Christmas story tells us. If you're waiting on Jesus... That waiting on Jesus is never in vain. Waiting on Jesus is never in vain. Some of y'all in here are waiting in vain for what you hope Santa's going to bring tomorrow, and it's not coming. And even if it did, he's not going to bring you something that's going to make you feel like you hope that's going to make you feel much longer than a few moments. Beyond Christmas, some of you in here... I understand, and watching online, you're in difficult situations. You're in tough circumstances. Maybe they seem hopeless, and you're waiting on God, but it seems like to no avail. Maybe it feels like God puts you on perpetual hold, and that awful music just keeps playing. Have you ever been there? You're like, you've got it on speakerphone, and that music just plays, and you're like, I'm going to wait this out. And then at some point, you're like, I don't care if it's all day. Now I'm in it. I'm going to keep waiting. However, there comes a certain point where you're like, nobody's ever going to pick up. There's nobody on the other side of this line that's ever going to pick up, so I'm done. And you hang up and you quit. But I want you to know that waiting on Jesus is never that way. If we will choose to worship in the waiting, we can be assured that God is going to fulfill every promise as it relates to his word and pertains to your life. When you wait on Jesus, it is never in vain. Simeon and Anna were waiting. They were waiting for what Scripture calls the consolation of Israel. Now, if you know how to define that word, you say, well, that means to comfort someone. And that's really what was happening here. The, the word there is actually paraclete. The helper of Israel was coming. The one who is going to come alongside us, the one who is going to bear our burdens, the one who is going to defend us, the one who's going to give us strength and courage. That is the consolation of Israel that they were waiting for, that they desperately needed as the people of God. Consolation also means comfort in the wake of loss or disappointment, and that's what the people of God were experiencing, the loss of the voice of God. And I know there's 
Not a single person in this room or watching online that has not experienced disappointment or maybe you're experiencing disappointment right now that's not experienced loss and maybe this time of the year reminds you of some of that. And here's what you need to know. The comfort that you truly long for can be found. The help that you desperately need, the one that you need to walk alongside you, the one who can bear your burdens and defend you, the one who gives you strength and courage when you're weak, it can be found, but it can only be found in Jesus Christ. So how do we worship while we're waiting for the promise to be fulfilled? I guarantee you, no matter what you're waiting on, it's not going to make you say what Simeon said when he first saw Jesus for the first time. So I want to read his part of the narrative first. Our Christmas text this morning is found in the book of Luke chapter 2. This is where we've been for a lot of this story. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. We're going to start here with Simeon, and this is leading up. Mary and Joseph have taken Jesus to the temple to dedicate him as the law required, and this is where the story picks up. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby, Jesus, to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, the child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. What we see about both Simeon and Anna is they were both amazing people. I love their story. Some of my favorites in all of the Bible. As I said a moment ago, they're us. Worshippers in the waiting. Scripture also describes them as righteous and devout. The second similarity is that, as I said a moment ago, they're both old. They're both elderly. And the encouraging thing is that they're getting stronger in the Lord with age. They're getting better as they grow in maturity in the Lord, not bitter. And maybe it's because they're nearing the end of their lives and it caused them to accept the powerlessness that they had to make God's promises come to pass. Have you ever been there where you realize that you're powerless to make God's promises come to pass? And it's in that moment that we accept the powerlessness that we have over something or to change some situation or to make something better in our own estimation that that's the greatest thing that could ever happen in order for God to have the room to do what only he can do. That we will get out of the way and allow God to do what he needs to do and what he can only do in the first place. It's impossible for Christ to be your all-sufficiency when we're being self-sufficient. It's impossible for God to do the things in your life that he desires to do when you're trying to do them yourself. So back to Simeon, who was old but still waiting. 
And I want you to watch how he was waiting. He wasn't waiting begrudgingly. He wasn't waiting grumpily. He wasn't waiting angrily as we can often do, but he was waiting eagerly. He was worshiping in the waiting, which is what this whole thing is about, that we would worship God in the waiting that we're all going through in this life. And how do I know that he was worshiping in the waiting? Because when he finally saw Jesus with his own eyes, he burst out of his mouth a song of praise to God. He exploded with worship unto God and praise out of his lips that came from his heart. A song of praise that is exactly saying what the heart was already doing. A hymn of God, a hymn of salvation in verse 29. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I've seen your salvation, which you prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Listen, here's what I want you to see. This isn't some massive point, if you will, this morning, but I think it's important for us as worshipers. If you love Jesus, if you, if you serve him, and the church is one of the things that is, is a, the central part of your life, worshipers don't need to warm up. Worshippers don't need a primer. Worshippers are ready to explode forth in praise whenever they encounter the presence of their Savior. The fire of Jesus is already burning on the inside. When you're longing to see and be with Jesus, you don't need to warm up. You don't need an icebreaker. Oh, you got to have a little icebreaker with me and Jesus real quick. Don't really, I don't really know him all that well. I get that. And we've all been there. But for those who are worshipers of God, whose lives have been saved and changed by Jesus, I don't need a warm-up to worship. Simeon bursts forth in praise. And you don't burst forth into a praise song unless your heart is already in a posture of worship. Practicing throughout the day. The word waiting is a Greek word that means ready to receive to oneself or an eagerness to welcome. Kind of like that anticipation on Christmas Eve as a child, that eagerness to welcome the gifts that are coming under the tree. It implies an active, eager anticipation instead of some excruciating endurance. Do you hear the difference? Do you see the difference of how we often wait versus how God says to wait? Can you see how if we would wait the way that God says in the worship, that we would worship in the waiting, it could revolutionize our worship. We're not waiting for worship to be done because it never should be done. Like it's never over. We're to worship God with all of our lives. So we're not waiting, well, that's over, now I can do something else. No, all of our life is unto God as worship for his glory. And then what about the singing of the praise? Because this is what this is about. There's this praise song that comes out of his mouth. He's singing to God. What about that kind of praise? What about worship through song? It's active. It's engaging. It's personal and corporate. And it's something we should enjoy. It's not something we excruciatingly endure. Can't wait for this to be done. And let's get to the word. This is my favorite song. And I don't like that style. I'm exhorting you, church, if that is our consistent mindset, we endure singing praise to God, then we've not truly comprehended what Christ endured on the cross and what it means to us as worshipers of the King. 
Worship is something we actively, eagerly anticipate as we welcome the presence of Jesus into our lives, as we ready ourselves to receive the Spirit of God into our hearts and lives, as we ready our hearts and minds to be encouraged and renewed and strengthened. Here's the reality. We're closer today than we were yesterday to beholding, seeing, embracing the Savior of our souls, and that should enliven our hearts to worship and to sing praise to Him. Much like every day for Simeon and Anna was one day closer to seeing the fulfillment of what God said would happen. You're one day closer to seeing the fulfillment of what God's word promises is going to happen. Growing up, we had a Christmas countdown at my house that we used to mark off each day before Christmas. My sister and I would kind of argue about who got to do the day before Christmas. That was, we had to put it every year. Brent did it last year, so Dina does it next year. Dina did it last year, so Brent does it next year. That was how we had to go about this Christmas little countdown. And man, it was so exciting to hang that next ornament on that little tree and see that it was this much closer to Christmas Day. It was so exciting to get closer and closer into the arrival of the presence. And to a greater degree, Simeon was counting the days until God would reveal what he'd promised to him personally. It's getting closer. It's one day closer. And Anna was doing the same thing. Let's not forget her. She was a prophet, Scripture tells us. As one author put it, she was gifted and unafraid to declare the word of the Lord. We also know that she was at the temple worshiping in the waiting room of God, in essence, every single day. Think about that. Every single day, going to the temple to worship God. And and we have a little bit of rain on Sunday. I I don't know. A little bit wet out there. At 84 years old, she was not deterred. She was beyond the average life expectancy at that time, but undeterred in her worship as she waited for the Christ child to arrive like God had promised. Anna had firmly planted herself in God's presence for decades, waiting for God, turning the grief of a young widow into a lifelong action of praise and worship and prayer. Waiting on the Lord became her daily practice. Author Ann Voskamp once wrote, this waiting on God is the very real work of the people of God. Well, we don't like that. And yet, it's exactly what every believer is doing. But do you wait on God like this? I mean, this is the, the conviction of this story. Or are you more like me at times? Or, or are you the teeth-gritting, gutted-out kind of waiter? When we're in a holding pattern, waiting for God to come to the rescue, powerless to change our own circumstances, powerless to get out of the disappointing season that we might find ourselves in, do we frantically look for a way out? Do we hang up on the worship music in the waiting Or do we eagerly anticipate what we're going to receive from God when he does come through and we continue to worship in the waiting until he does fulfill his promises because he's going to. The worshiper's response is to welcome Jesus into our lives through worship, not try to get out of what he's doing in our lives. What would it look like if we went from impatient and irritable waiters to patient and peaceable worshipers in the waiting? See, I think our worship would be infinitely different if we had a mindset of being ready to receive from God rather than trying to escape waiting on God. 
Simeon gives a little insight into how worship in the waiting can be done well. Check this out. Simeon's name actually means to hear intelligently. Now listen, if all of us could name our kids something and the meaning of their name is actually what they were and would do, I'd name all my kids Simeon. They hear intelligently. They listen and they respond. And here's what Simeon did. He listened to the Spirit of God. Whereas I have a tendency to listen to God fearfully. I have a tendency to listen to God impatiently. I have a tendency to listen to God even sometimes combatively. Oh, come on, God, no. I'm not doing that. No, I'm not. We are told that Simeon, Mr. Here Intelligently, deliberately listened to God's Spirit. As Scripture says in verse 25, the Holy Spirit rested on him. Verse 26, the Holy Spirit showed things to him. Verse 27, the Holy Spirit moved him. This is another essential descriptor of worshipers who worship in the waiting. They are those who are able to discern the voice of God over our own and obey. That's what worshipers do. People often ask, well, what does the voice of the Lord sound like? And I've said, for as long as I can remember, the voice of God sounds a lot like your own voice in your head, but it's full of truth, and it often leads to difficult places where God is our only consolation or comfort. Whereas my voice in my head often leads me to do stupid things that are easy to do but have bad consequences. And I should have got a whole lot of amens on that, all you holy people out there. Oh, I never do stupid stuff. (laughs) Learning to hear how God speaks is discerning the difference between your own fleshly desires and God's perfect plan for your life. It includes hearing the difficult things, not just the things that I want to hear. And it means stepping out in obedience to act on what God is leading me to do by his spirit, no matter what the cost is to me. This is what we see Simeon doing. This is what we see Anna doing with their lives. Difficult things, waiting, persevering, and then what? Worshiping and trusting God all the way through it. In this passage, we see that the Holy Spirit led Simeon to go to the temple. And we get the description of one of the more touching and tender moments, I think, in all of the Bible. Can you imagine waiting the majority of your life for something like this? And there's Simeon, and the reason he's in the temple, remember, is because the Spirit told him to go to the temple that day. See why it's important to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life? As he led Simeon to the temple, and then he turns and he looks, and he sees a young couple walk in, and they've got a little baby. All of a sudden... It's him. It's Jesus. And the scripture tells us explicitly that he's the only one that the scripture tells us actually holds and embraces the Christ child. There's so much here to learn from this encounter, but one of the most simple being is that when we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can be assured that we're going to see and behold Jesus. Man, that, that's, that's what I draw out of this. The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. 
If we want to encounter Jesus in our worship, we must first be led by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will always lead you to glorify Jesus. That's exactly what Simeon does as he bursts out in song because the Holy Spirit led him to the temple. He did what the Holy Spirit led him to do and he saw Jesus. Here's what I want you to know as we worship God, as we continue to wait on Christ's return, the Holy Spirit leads us to Jesus in order to glorify Jesus. That is his main role in your life the picture is powerful because Simeon provided a striking visual of not just meeting Jesus but receiving him unto himself I bet he was just like like I'm going to be doing with my granddaughter this, we're expecting this week I mean I'm not jazz is <laughs> and as Simeon gazed into the brand new eyes of this savior king Christ for him went, being, went from being God with us to God with me. Listen, church, you have to come to a place where the comfort and the consolation of Christ is not just something generally true, but it's personally true. Nothing outwardly about Simeon's life had changed, yet he told God in this scripture, here's what I was saying, I don't think I'm going to be saying this tomorrow, that he could die in peace. I'm not going to open a single present tomorrow and go, you can take me now, God. I don't care what you give me. And yet, here's what he says. He sees the Christ child and he says, God, I can die now just like you promised. That's when you know that what you've received is the satisfaction of your soul that it's been searching for and longing for. His inner disquiet had been calmed by Christ and his soul was finally at rest. At the very moment, Simeon knew what every believer should still know today, that the consolation of Israel, the comforter of the whole world is not an event. It's a person. It's Jesus. And what about Anna the prophet? Married for seven years, then widowed, and now going to the temple daily to worship in the waiting. Let's pick up her story in verse 36 as we draw this to a close. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. That's one thing, though, you're like, okay, did you have to put that in there? Like, I'm, if I'm Anna, I'm like, really? Very old? We could have just said old and left it at that. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Anna is an amazing woman of God. I don't have time to go into all the details that we can know about her life, but I'll say this, that as a young widow, the most, most normal thing for her to have done would have been to have gotten married again, have children, and go on with her life. That was really the, that was the best thing that she could have done at that time. But instead, she chose to stay single, go to the temple, and pray every day for the comforter of the world to come. It's more than likely that people looked at her and Simeon and thought them to be living a life of futility. A waste of time, pointless, 
All she does is come and pray every day. Prayer, fasting, and praise were her life. But can I tell you, that's never wasteful. She loved the house of God. She loved to live a life of self-denial. She was a woman who had known great loss, but had not grown bitter in the loss. She was satisfied. And here's what I know about worshipers in the waiting. Worshipers are satisfied in the one that they worship. Then after all these years of waiting, finally the day arrives, just like for Simeon, and she sees the Christ child, and all it took was one little glimpse of this baby, and she was worshiping and praising God. Again, worshipers who are waiting well recognize Jesus in ways others miss. What do I mean? This is a baby, remember? A baby. Helpless. Small. Dependent on his parents and the people of Israel what are they waiting on the consolation of Israel that's what had been prophesied that's what they're all there waiting for that's what they're all believing is going to come one day some still believing it's yet to come and all of a sudden they're waiting for somebody to put an end to their suffering and what would that take because they're suffering under a powerful government a powerful army A powerful political army nation, if you will. And most were looking for what would overthrow that. A warrior, a political king, someone with power, one to come overthrow the ruling powers of the earth. And that's what some people are still looking for. But all it took was Anna seeing a baby. And that was the only evidence that she needed to recognize that God's redemptive hand was now present. A helpless baby became the focal point of her praise because worshipers recognize the one that they worship. If we're honest, we're usually waiting for answers more than for the one who answers. Forgive me, Lord. We can get so specific with our prayer lists like we do a gift list for Santa. And if they don't turn out like we asked, we get frustrated, pout, give up. But just like Simeon and Anna, Jesus showed up in the middle of the world's distress as a baby. A form of deliverance most people didn't see coming because it didn't make any sense. God will still do the same today, my friends. And it's only those who are found worshiping in the waiting that will see Jesus arrive in our own distress, possibly in a form that we didn't see coming, and bring the comfort we desperately needed in a very unexpected way. One final aspect of Anna's response should cause us to consider how we have responded to seeing Jesus in our own lives. Verse 38, she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Here's what I know, worship witnesses, which means worshipers witness. Worship exists to glorify God. And so that other worshipers would come to know that Jesus is the one and only way to the Father. So they could become 
worshipers because we praise the greatness and the goodness of a God to all who are willing to hear. And that's exactly what Anna does. In verse 38, she begins praising God and making a point of talking about Jesus to all who are waiting for redemption. You know the one you're waiting for? That's him. That's him. You ought to go praise him like I'm praising him. I've been coming here every day for years. He's here. The consolation of Israel is here. Worship witnesses about the greatness of our Savior. The gospel always multiplies itself to fill the longing hearts of anybody who's waiting for their own consolation, for their own comforter in their life. And Anna understood that this was not just something for her own personal life. It was something to be proclaimed to others. She didn't need to see how things turned out first. She just praised God, the one who had come to save her and countless others. And just like Anna... We should continue to praise God today while seeing who else needs to know their Savior, Jesus, that we worship as a witness. Everybody, every one of us is looking for rescue, for wrongs to be made right, for suffering to be over in these times that are difficult, confusing, hard, painful. Anna joyfully points us to the child and repeats her message. He is everything. He is our consolation. He is our rescue. He is our Savior and King. And lastly, I want to make a connection for us today as it relates to worship specifically being worshipers in a multi-generational church. It should really be the context of every church where possible because we are a multi-generational people praising God from one generation to the next. We stand on the shoulders of the ones who've gone before us. And here's what I want us to see. I think God wants us to see in Simeon and Anna and their old age, which is highlighted for a purpose, that an era is drawing to a close. The era of the law and the prophets is drawing to a close. And he shows us this by depicting the representatives of that era as aged and at the point of death. They're passing away just like the era of the law and the prophets. The second thing Luke wants us to see is that there is no conflict between the law and the prophets and the new age of the Messiah. He shows us this by depicting that the most devout people under the old era are the most receptive to the new era. Elizabeth and Zechariah, Simeon and Anna do not become resentful, do not become angry. They're not bitter that the Messiah has come and they're about to die. Not even that he's going to be a light to all nations. They rejoice that the Messiah has arrived and that the new has now come. I think as a church... We can learn how to worship from one generation to the next about our greatest consolation in this life, and that's Jesus, that it's all about him. And the most devout people of the aging era should be the most receptive to those who are coming up in the new era. Hello? So as we get older, and we all will, we don't resent the new generation or the new things God is doing, but we rejoice in the fact that the new has come and new lives are being changed for the glory of the one whose name we all bear. Jesus. So this is Christmas as we remember the worshipers that waited well for the first arrival of Jesus. And let's consider how today we can worship in the waiting well with eager anticipation, 
with hearts that are ready to praise, being led by the Holy Spirit to obey and glorify Jesus with our worship, to be completely satisfied in our Savior, knowing that whoever worships and waits on Jesus will never do so in vain and never be disappointed. I hope as this day goes on and Christmas Eve draws to a close that you'll remember whatever you're waiting for tomorrow, and that's fine, eagerly and anticipating that what we wait on the most eagerly, that we anticipate the most and that we worship in our life the most about is that Jesus is coming back. And that we worship in the waiting no matter what's going on in our lives right now. And he's going to meet you wherever you are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just come to you right now, Jesus. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be the comforter that we need today. Lord, in your scripture, you describe the Holy Spirit as the comforter, but then also Jesus is described as the comforter because you are one and the same. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You are our helper. You are our consolation. You're the one who comes and walks alongside us, not from afar, but you are God with us. And not just God with everybody else, but I want you to know, my friend, this morning, he is God with you. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, if you've not seen him like Simeon saw him or Anna saw him, you've not had your eyes of your heart open to see him as your Savior and Lord, then I pray today that you do that you surrender your heart to him as a sinner that needs a savior, knowing that the only one that can rescue you is Jesus Christ. For those of you who are in disappointment right now, or maybe some painful situations, maybe you're going through loss, maybe you feel hopeless today, I'm praying that the Spirit of God would renew your mind, refresh your soul, and strengthen your body today by His Spirit as you fix your eyes on Jesus and worship Him in the waiting. Even as we sing one final song today, that it can be your declaration. God, I am going to worship you in the waiting. I'm going to praise you out of my mouth with a song. I'm going to walk out of these four doors by your strength and your grace and worship you in the waiting. And I trust that whatever comes my way, God, as I put my hope in you, that I will never wait in vain. I'm not going to be disappointed because you are the promise keeper. That's what the Messiah tells us. And that's what your word promises. Father, would you have your way in us today as we worship in the waiting? Thank you for listening to the In Focus Church podcast with Pastor Brent Gerard. In Focus Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Evans, Georgia, with a mission to love God, love people, and reach the world. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you are listening, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at InFocus Church.